Well, it's interesting because sometimes I just have to start talking to get the energy moving to see. One of the things I started learning probably about 10 years ago is the power of the spoken word. And in Jim's sharing, it just reminds me when I started learning about that, that as I started making communications verbally with other people with the intention and the focus on the loving to bring and restore peace and balance, that as I placed that as my intention, and before I'd even have, let's just say, conversations that could be very disturbing or situations like what Jim was talking about, that I would tell the people or the person that I was in communication with what it was that I was hoping to get out of this conversation, the direction that I was going towards. So in a way, I was focusing my attitude into what it is that I wanted. And my attitude was always towards the greater freedom and the loving so that I could be in harmony with the person that I was experiencing disturbance with. The disturbance was inside of me, but I experienced it with them, with whatever was going on in our lives together. And I remember the first day that I did that, I was so scared to really share what was going on inside of me. And I just knew I needed to do it because it had been going on for months and months with this person. I'd see this person probably every single week. And finally, it got to me so much that it was just building up and it was just going to kind of stress me out or tear me apart inside. And one day I called them. I said, could we just get together and talk? And they said, yes. And so that afternoon we got together and I just began to share what was going on inside of me, not as an attack or making anything wrong, but simply to share what was going on inside of me. And that was all I did. And as I began to share the truth of what was going on inside of me, the things I appreciated about my relationship with them, the things that disturbed me inside and what I was up against when I was around them. And as I shared all of it, the good, the bad, the indifferent, they really listened. And I actually asked them to listen just so that I could share with them. And as I shared all this, by the time I finished, they let out this big sigh and said, thank you so much because I was experiencing the same thing with you. And in that process, I really discovered that quite often a lot of these things that sometimes we may think is our own thing inside of us or it's their thing and it's their fault and we're going to let them know it, that it's usually one and the same. And that I found out that as I took initiative and began to take action to change it within me and share that with those around me, that it created a change not only in me but also in the individuals that I was participating with. Very similar to what Jim was just sharing in his story, all it took was one beginning in that prayer. And I don't know what Jim prayed in that moment to help bring the energy together, but in a way, when I share with people to say, here's the intention that I would like out of this conversation that I am moving towards, and I'm asking you to participate and move towards that with me, if you choose. I don't demand, I just ask them and invite them to participate so it's a free choice. So as we choose into things freely in the direction we agree upon in which we're moving, I have found that to be a very powerful dynamic. And then as I focus and move towards that, the words to share, whatever the truth is inside of me, whether it's disturbing or very wonderful, I've realized to share that 
no matter what it is, even if it's very disturbing. Because I have found that when I can share even the disturbing things, but that's what's tr truly going on inside of me, that that will free that up and actually bring the opening to allow the loving in. And as I do that, I found that it actually supported and assisted others to actually move beyond and open up so the loving could come into them as well, much as this group came together now into the peace and the loving to move beyond the fighting, to move beyond the differences into the greater truth. So as you were sharing, that reminds me of that first time I really took that first big action. And ever since then, I've always looked towards communication as communion and action. That through the power of the spoken word, by sharing on this level, we really create a space and an opportunity to either open up and experience the greater loving and oneness with one another, or we create separation where we really are feeling alone and disturbed. And I realized I had the power inside of me by the choices of how I approached and communicated with people to either create the oneness or to create the separation. But it always started first with that intention, or in this case, a prayer. So my intention was like a prayer, and then I followed suit upon that. And the times when I went do that, I would find myself going into argument or defending myself or being mad and placing blame on others. And whenever that would happen, I would get so disturbed inside, I said, I don't want this. I would just stop right in the middle. So this is not what I want. I am attempting to move beyond this and go for the oneness and the loving. That's my intention. And sometimes I don't know how to do that, but I ask you to participate with me and maybe together as we move towards that as a common goal, that we can discover how to get there and move and discover and experience that together. And so I found that to be a wonderful blessing in my life as I always place that first and foremost, and then just to share accordingly, and to watch the magic as it just transforms my relationship with people or the atmosphere of even a whole room of people, that that is what I call the power of the spoken word, which is simply by speaking and allowing the truth to flow through, that it can create an opening in each of our own spirits so that we can experience the greater loving simply by creating the space through our words, or again, by creating separation through our words, but also through our actions. So I realized a real freedom of choice in that, and from that day forward, I've always attempted and moved forward in that way for that greater freedom, and to watch the wonderful shifts and changes, and, and watching not only my attitude, but other people's attitudes really expand and open up to with such appreciation and gratitude that I shared with them that way. Because <coughs> they didn't know how to do that themselves. And then in hearing me do that, they go, oh my God, now I see how I can do that. Not only that, but in the way you shared with me, I felt all this loving just fill me up. And now I have a greater clarity and understanding of how to do that in my own life. And so that's another wonderful blessing that I have I've found. And just sharing that just for myself that people have taken that and use it in their own lives to create the transformations into the connections and the loving with others that they wanted to do that with where they may have been experiencing separation and they just simply weren't aware of how to move into or create 
the space by which the oneness and the loving could come back together to experience the fullness of which they really wanted. So quite often it's simply finding out how to, but then more than that is taking the action, no matter how frightening it may be, but as you make the, and take the action, that it is through that that you create the space so that the greater blessings and peace can really unfold. That was good. <laughs> so it is through the power of communication, of really sitting down and sharing with people what is going on within yourself. But first, you've got to sit down and communicate with yourself, share with yourself, get in touch with yourself, and get in the knowing of what that is inside of you. What is your truth? So that you can begin to live it and share it out into the world. And for me, sitting down every day and meditating is my way of getting in touch with that truth and staying centered in that truth and keeping my focus on that that is my loving, which is my truth. And if I do that and then go out and do my day, I find that my day is filled with grace and ease and simplicity. And when I do not, I find that oftentimes I get caught up in the game of complexity that the world loves to play and put on us. And it's easier for me to get distracted by the world and the things of the world and to get caught up in it when I haven't started my day in that place of centeredness, in that place of loving, in that place of quiet. So for me, it's sitting down and holding my attention inside and loving God first, and then opening and allowing God's love in. And the practice of meditation that we teach here in ILM, we give you keys of concentration, a place to focus, to hold your attention to one thing. And by holding your attention to one thing, you begin to have in that one-pointed focus a centeredness. And you begin to move to your own true center, allowing all those things that are not a part of your true nature to drop away, to slip away for a while. The hue and the anti-hue are a part of that focus or that element of concentration as is the names of initiation that we give at the time of initiation. Those names are a tool by which to hold your attention in a one-pointed focus. And by holding your attention in one place for a period of time, you begin to penetrate through all the veils in your consciousness that have caused you to feel separate, less than, afraid, or whatever it might be that you feel often during the day when you're not in your centeredness. So by having this one-pointed focus, it, one, it gives you a direction, and it gives you a place of intention to hold to, so that all the other elements of the lesser self, the outer self, can begin to be released. And what remains then is the true essence of your own being. If you do not have a tool by which to hold to in concentration, your focus, you're more than likely going to find your consciousness continuing to be dispersed energetically throughout your meditation and throughout your day, and you're going to feel tired, you're going to feel frustrated, 
you're going to feel distracted, you're going to feel out of sorts or out of focus because your energy is scattered in so many different directions and you're trying to take care of so many different things or hold things in place so that you feel safe or you feel secure or you feel as though you've got the world at bay. And you find then that your life does feel out of sorts, distorted, frustrated. But in this one-pointed focus, you can cut through things so much easier. You can let go of things so much easier and move in life as you move inside with ease and grace and simplicity. And you can get things done. And it also gives you an instrument by which to communicate with people in another way. Because you come to them from a place of loving and you begin to connect that loving to them. And they, in that loving connection, will begin to communicate and share with you in a different light because all of a sudden they feel the sense of freedom, the sense of safety, and the sense of loving and acceptance that they might not feel elsewhere in the world. And they'll begin to share with you in a different dynamic than they might have otherwise. Just as Brian was describing situations in his life where in sitting down and being open and honest in his communication, he found that the other person also responded in gratitude and in freedom to share in the same light. And then all of a sudden, a whole other level of friendship and participation was revealed and be was beginning to be lived between the two. And I think that you would find that if you live first your meditation and find that place of loving inside yourself and then take it into your daily life, however that might want to be manifested, you'll begin to see that demonstrated for you in your own life. So, why do you want to meditate? What is meditation about? Meditation is truly about waking up and knowing God, coming into the oneness with God. But that may be something that seems so foreign and doesn't seem to be very real to you right now. Maybe God is something that doesn't exist. Or maybe it's so far out there that it seems unavailable and impossible to connect to. Maybe it would be connect with your own loving. Connect with your own truth. Get in touch with your own self. So that you can begin to redirect your life. Find that place inside yourself where you can begin to make new choices so that your life can be different than it is right now. Find whatever works for you that will assist you in having the life that you want. I remember when I was in my 20s and I wanted certain things in my life to unfold but I didn't know how to bring it about. And I began making lists. I would just make lists of all these things that I wanted in my life. And I would write them out. And I had a pretty long list of things I wanted in my life that I felt these things would fulfill me. I would be happier. I would be more fulfilled if I had all this in my life. And some of them were real tangible, like water or money or whatever it might be. They were very tangible. And other things were not. 
they were more inner dynamics of personal relationships and how to communicate better and how to be in loving with people that I didn't really like or whatever that might be. So I had a very long list of things. And then I separated it into two categories. One that were more physical in nature, more tangible things that I wanted in my life, and things that were more spiritual or ethereal in nature that I also wanted in my life. And then I began, after I had this list, to look and see, well, now what do I do? How do I get these things? How do I bring them into my life? And so I began to look and see what were the avenues by which I could begin to manifest these things in my life with simplicity and ease. And I realized that a lot of the things that were in the, in the tangible list were things that I had to either buy, buy with money, or I had to create in some way for myself, such as a new job situation where I could be a manager or whatever, where I could learn more of a career for myself, or relationship and learn how to be in relationship with another person and, and have a loving relationship in my life or whatever that might be. And so I began then to separate those things out until I finally had several different lists that gave me insight as to what I wanted and I was beginning to see that there were certain actions that I had to take in order to get them. So as I was doing this, I began to realize that as I was making these lists and as I was beginning to define how to go about bringing these things into my life, that the universe started actually bringing information to me. People would start sharing with me certain ways by which they became wealthy or they moved into relationship or how they worked their relationships or whatever it might have been that also related to my list. And I realized that just by beginning to put this into action, the universe started bringing information to me. So I started having to pay very close attention to my outer environment as to what was being given to me, what was being shown to me. And I began to really write a lot of information by all that was given to me. And at first I thought all that that was coming at me was something I now had to, to live and fulfill. But I realized pretty quickly that it was all coming at me, but then I had to discern what was going to work for me, what was going to honor my truth, my creative nature, to allow me to fulfill myself the way I wanted to be fulfilled. And so I had to take all this information in and begin through the gift of discernment, the power of discernment, to discern what was my truth in the midst of all that was given to me then. And in that, I discovered a great power within me. And that was what Brian said earlier, the power of the spoken word, the power of creativity, the power that we each have within ourselves to create what we want in our lives. And yet so many times in the world, I see people living less than their power of creativity, less than their power of the spoken word. Because they either do not understand 
or have moved into a place of denial, that they're not worthy or that they don't know how or they can't. And yet I know that if we will change our attitude, if we will make choices in how we are going to approach life and live life differently than we have and begin to speak what it is we want, speak with loving, speak with conviction, we will begin through that power of the spoken word to draw to us those things that we want or to create in our lives those things that we want or create the avenues by which we can go and have those things in our lives for ourselves. And I remember a lot of my discovery was really done through the work I was doing in the groups that I had in San Antonio going at that time. And I was learning and I was sharing what I was learning with my group and then they would begin to practice it and see if it worked for them. And so I began to share a lot about the power of the spoken word and how that could work in someone's life. Now I was myself discovering a lot more about it. But there was this one lady in our group and she got it right away. And she began to live in her own way the power of the spoken word. And she wanted two things in her life. She wanted a relationship, a loving relationship, and a family, and she wanted a Mercedes-Benz. Those are the two things she wanted. And she began to speak over and over and over. I'm sorry, she wanted a Cadillac. She would speak over and over and over about these things that she wanted in her life. But they never came forward. And then one day, when we were all in a group, she was kind of frustrated and she was angry that nothing was happening. And, and she, so I said, well, tell us what it is you're doing. Tell us the words. How are you affirming it? What are you saying? What is this power of the spoken word? And as she was saying it, I realized that it was more of a plea than it was a power. She was crying out for something, but she wasn't creating something. She wasn't empowering something. So we began to look and see how could she empower something? How could she create something very dynamic rather than crying out for it? Please, I want, I need, I've got to have. Instead, she started believing it. She started speaking the belief with a very powerful way. And as she did, very quickly, this man appeared in her life. And I remember her showing up on, on our Tuesday night class and she was all scared. She was all shaking because it had happened too fast. Because she had just started this new way of doing it and within a couple of weeks this man showed up in her life, wanted to date her and was getting serious all of a sudden within just a very short time. And all of a sudden she didn't know if she really wanted this. It was too quick and it was too powerful and she didn't know if she was worthy of it. And so we had a long discussion in our group and it was so interesting to hear people share from where they were coming from in their life. And many of them said, oh, it's going too fast, don't do it, get away from him, he's not good for you. And, you know, speaking their own 
conditioning, their own way of approaching life. And when it came to my turn, I said, I'd go for it. I'd go and I'd learn everything I can about this situation. I would experience it. I would see who he is and what he is in my life and what he has to share with me, what I can learn from him, and what I can share with him and maybe teach him. And I wouldn't look at this as, oh, I'm going to have to marry him, or this is the man I'm going to marry. I would look and say, this is an opportunity of learning, and learn all I can, because maybe he's here to teach you about something so that you can prepare for that relationship you're going to be moving into. Maybe he isn't the one. And she said, oh, my God, that's a good way to look at it. Maybe he isn't the one. I can do that. <laughs> I just can't do that he's the one. So she approached it, and they had a wonderful relationship for six months, and then he proposed. And they got married, and they had a wonderful relationship ever since. That was back in 1975 that they married. And in the midst of all that, while she was going through this whole process as well with this relationship, she also wanted the Cadillac. And um, in this process, she was affirming this Cadillac, wanting this Cadillac, and all the time she was driving a Chevrolet. And her car broke down. She couldn't afford a Cadillac. She was kind of mad because she hadn't created it, and she had to go out and buy another car equivalent to a Chevrolet. I don't remember what she bought. And she was pretty upset with that. A couple of weeks later, after she got her new car, her brother called her from Germany, and he had taken a new position as a doctor and decided to stay on in the military in Germany and had shipped a car over before he had accepted this new position. And she was going to go pick it up in Houston and, and store it for him until he got home after getting out of the service. And then he would pick up the car and, and be off on his life. Well, instead, he was going to be in Germany, and he wouldn't have to ship the car back. So he told her, when you go pick up the car, be aware that this is going to be your car. I'm just going to give this to you, and this is going to be your Christmas gift for many years to come. Don't ever expect another one for many years, but this will be your car. Well, she didn't know if it was a Volkswagen or what it was going to be. So she went to Houston, picked it up, and it was a Mercedes-Benz. And I remember her calling me from the dock, and she was crying, and she was quivering, and just all kinds of stuff. And she didn't know if she could accept it. And I said, wait a minute. And she said, but I wanted a Cadillac. I want a Cadillac. <laughs> and I said, maybe God wants you to have a Mercedes-Benz. You know, Cadillac, Mercedes, they're all nice cars. I would accept the gift that's given to me and not have qualifications on it and say, well, if it's not a Cadillac, I won't accept it. And she had the hardest time for a while accepting this Mercedes-Benz until one day, something slipped inside of her consciousness and she realized she had a better car. And what happened was she was, uh, she drove up to a coffee shop where we were going to meet for lunch. And as she got out of the car, 
she met this man who was a dealer at the Cadillac shop she used to go and dream over and drool over. And he walked over and he said, where did you get this? Is this your car? And she said, oh, yeah, this is my car. And he said, well, honey, you got a better car than I could have ever given you. And that made the difference. And then she was happy with it. So I would say, and in all this time, she was beginning the practice of meditation and learning how to take the inner and bring it to the outer and bridge the, the two existences, the inner and the outer kingdom, so that her loving, her truth, her peace, her joy was beginning to be demonstrated into the world. And that began to live in her life, in her world. Her career changed. She was promoted three times. She was in the, mili uh, not in the military, but civil service, and she was promoted very high up and, and got a lot of, of um, money for the new jobs that she was put into. She had a relationship in her life, and she had the car that she wanted, but she didn't know that that was the one she wanted. And, and she came to me one day and she said, you know, I've got a lot of this stuff in my life that I want now in the world. Do I stop meditating? And I said, no, maybe there's more now in meditation that you can find beyond all these things that you've found in your physical life. Maybe you've bridged that gap and you've been able to bring about a lot of the manifestation of these outer things. Now let's see what you can find to manifest inside. And she said, well, oh, I've already got a lot of that. You know, I've forgiven myself for so many things, and I've forgiven my mom and my dad and, and my brothers and sisters for so many things. And, and, and I, as I've forgiven them, I have just felt all these things drop away from me, and I, I've got such peace. And she began to describe all the things that she had discovered through her practice of meditation. And at first she began to meditate to get the power of the spoken word to be able to create all these things in her life. But then she realized that what she was really doing was creating an inner power inside of her and an inner world inside of her that she really wanted. So look and see for yourself what might motivate you to, to meditate. And maybe it might be about physical things first, about getting your life in order. Let that be okay. Maybe it's not about finding God first. You know, there is a truth to the statement, though, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all else should be given unto you. If you seek first the kingdom of heaven, it does all fall into place. So, are there any, anything that anybody would like to share about their own personal experience with all of this or any questions? I would hope somebody, yes, Doug? Uh, that's been my experience, too, when you ask for something and you're sincerely asking for it, that if you're paying attention, the answers will come to you. And you need to pay attention as to how they, well, let me rephrase that. Don't judge how they come mm. because they may come uh, in ways that you don't expect. Uh, they may come in a way that maybe you don't approve of, but it's still an answer for you. And so those answers are there. It's just a matter of do we open up and do we ask and do we receive? Boy, that's very true. I'll share, I've shared this before, but I'll share it again because I think it's a very true and simple story. 
when I was nine years old, there's, uh, there was a man that drove the garbage truck in our neighborhood, and he would come by twice a week. And whenever I was homesick, I would always watch them drive by, and he was the driver of the truck. And once in a while, he would get out and help them and bring trash cans over from across the street while others were loading uh, from one side of the street. And I was always taken by this driver because he had such light around him. His aura was always filled with light and joy, and there was just a peace about him that I could see. And, and once in a while, I enjoyed watching him because once in a while, uh, I would see that same joy go into uh, the trash cans. And, and it was like he was leaving a blessing in the trash cans for, for the home or for the people that lived there. And so I'd, sometimes I'd sit out in the grass and I would just watch them come by and pick it up because I wanted to see if he would do that, if that would happen. And one day he got out of the truck and loaded some stuff from across the street. And then he came over and he asked me, why was I always sitting out here? Not always, but why was I sometimes sitting out here just watching them go by? And, uh, and I said, well, I'm just, I'm curious about you. Uh, and he said, about me? Why? Because I drive a truck? Are you, do you want to drive a garbage truck? I said, no, not really. I, you know, I, you know, I never thought about driving a garbage truck or collecting garbage. But I, I didn't know how to begin to, to tell him what I was really watching him for at first. And so he started to walk away and I said, well, wait, wait, I want to find out something. I said, do you know that you leave blessings with people's garbage cans? And he goes, oh, I know that. And so he knew something was up, so he sat down and we began to talk. Well, the, the two guys in the back of the truck were getting a little irritated, like, come on, let's go, you know. And so he told them to take a break, and they, all, they went over and sat on the curb and had cigarettes and, and while we talked. And, and he said, so what is it you see? What's going on? And so I described what I saw and what I felt. And, and he said, well, you know, that's why I drive a garbage truck. He said, I used to have a, a different job. But I found that I couldn't live my truth. I couldn't live my joy. And I found that I really wanted to go out in the world and just share my loving with people and however I could do that. And I took different jobs and, and then I got unemployed and this job came forward and, and I began to collect garbage and uh, moved up to driver of a truck. And as I was doing all this, I found that I really enjoyed collecting garbage. You know, this is stuff that people wanted to get rid of. And I was doing them a great service. I was taking care of all the stuff that they didn't want to have to handle anymore. And I was taking it away from them. And I was leaving them an empty container so that they could do it again. That they could get rid of more stuff. And one day, as I was doing that, I realized I wanted to fill it back up with something. So I filled it back up with loving. I filled it back up with God's blessings. And when I did, he said, I really felt it move through me. I felt my loving go and be with that. And he said, from then on, I have just enjoyed doing this job of collecting people's trash. And he says, I don't want to be just driving the truck. I do want to be out there and assisting and, and dumping the trash and filling the can back up with something other than trash. So that when people pull that back up to their house, they're bringing the loving in. And then they're getting rid of all the things that they don't want and bringing it out for me to handle. And then they take the loving back in.
And so we talked. And after that, whenever I was home and I would go out and watch them or I'd be at the window watching them go by, he'd wave at me. And I could truly see his grace, his blessings just going out uh, to me and to the neighborhood as he was doing that. And I realized that he had found his joy. He had found his loving. And at first, when he would, was sharing with me, I was sitting there and I was thinking, well, you know, he's a, a driver of a garbage truck. He doesn't know very much. Why would I be wanting to ask this question or why would I want to listen to him? But when I heard the wisdom and saw, and I knew the loving because I'd seen it, <coughs> once I began to hear the wisdom, I knew that this was something I wanted to listen to. And every once in a while, he'd stop the truck and he'd come out and we'd still talk and they'd take their smoke break. And, and I realized one time uh, when I was homesick that I was actually staying homesick so I could see him. <laughs> And I realized that's not going to work. I, I needed to be at school, so I didn't want to play that game on myself. But uh, I really enjoyed learning that. And so when Doug said that, <coughs> you know, don't, don't qualify, don't, don't put qualifications on where the information is coming from, but pay attention to the information, that's really the truth for myself anyway. And that, that, that man who was driving the garbage truck was much more than just a... a a driver of a garbage truck for me. Anybody else? We got one more, and then we'll come up here to you. Uh, what you said. Thank you for the blessing. Um, about don't put qualifications on something. It came in my mind. Um, I think it was yesterday. I have a neighbor who's quite ill, and uh, I wanted to. Uh, get a Thanksgiving card uh, to her um, and so I went and bought one and I thought you know I could get some flowers too and and bring them over there and so um, it's a process but you get the card and you have to find the stamp and then has to come on you where to get the flowers but all this happened and it was um, in my house and uh, I was um, doing other errands and overnight. And um, so then it came time um, to uh, see about the delivery part. And um, I thought, well, you know, um, I can just put the card in the flowers and bring them down there. So I got out in my car uh, with the card and the flowers and opened the garage door, and it was raining cats and dogs. And uh, just terrible rain and a car in front of her house anyway I said that's a clue it's not the time to go out in the rain and bring these things down there so I didn't I kept them for a while but I didn't know I could go mail the card because it had a stamp on it by that time so I went and mailed the card and I still had the flowers so I didn't know about the flowers but it was still raining and all that and I, I, I got home last night and had the flowers today and so my other neighbor came over and I said these flowers, uh, do you want to share with me? And we'll put our name on it and bring it over to the other neighbor. I said, well, that's a good idea, but we knew it wasn't yet the right moment to do that. And then suddenly, the story's about the flowers. <laughs> the phone call came that another neighbor 
had been diagnosed with uh, colon cancer. And so the way it turned out for those flowers, we put a card on it from all the neighbors, and we brought it over to his house. So that was the story of the flowers. My original intent was, you know, they should go one place, but they told me something different, and it went another place. So that was a neat story, but without qualification. I have another question about some of the things you were talking about. Other than putting someone in the light, um, and as they yearn for things, like your friend had a car and a relationship, um, and especially if it's someone we love, is there any cooperation we can give that intent in helping bringing about in their behalf? The one thing I have found for myself is don't pray for things for other people. Don't even pray for their healing necessarily. But give it all to God. Give them to God and just say, God, thy will be done. Or let that which is for their highest good come forward. We do not want to play God for another person and try to say that this is the best thing for them. I, I learned a lesson when I was about nine years old. And that lesson was that uh, my very best friend, uh, his uh, brother and wife got married, and they had a wonderful relationship. And uh, when I was about nine years, no, I guess, no, I was about probably 14 years old, 13 or 14, they were getting a divorce. And I just didn't want to see them get a divorce. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed that they stay together, that they stay together, that they stay together. And um, then they did stay together. And I felt like my prayer had been answered. And then I watched their relationship and how it evolved after they stayed together. And in that I realized that they might have been better if they had separated. I didn't realize it until years later, but that they might have been better if they had separated and found a place where they could be in greater loving with someone else than to stay in the relationship that they stayed in. Now, I don't know that my prayer kept them together, but I learned out of watching that that I thought I knew better than they did. I thought I knew better what they needed to have in their life than they did, and so I thought, well, I'll just pray that they stay together even if they don't want to stay together. And I realized that I don't know what's best for somebody. I don't know what's really needed for their learning. Maybe an illness is exactly what they need to learn, a lesson that is present for them. Or maybe that illness is a way for them <coughs> to burn off a karmic pattern and to let it be released. <coughs> and for me to to try to put my own will, my own want on it, uh, may actually cause the lesson to be not learned or the karma not to be released in the way that it could be. And so I've realized now that it's best to just turn it over to God and put them in God's hands and let God and them do what needs to be done. And sometimes I see people go through a lot of suffering, but yet at the end of it all, I know that the at the end of it is the answer, is the solution, is the peace, is the loving, is the forgiveness, is whatever it is. And 
it's not for me to, to try to stop or take away that pain, but rather to ask God to be with them in it and allow them to walk it to the fulfillment. Does that make sense? Yes. So it is a matter of a personal discernment with the Spirit as uh, to what to... Um what we do in thought and spoken word and intent, even in offering physical things to others, but um, that's only our part. Beyond that, we let go of it. Right. And just let the guide be the spirit. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You want to pass the mic up this way for a second? Um, recently, I've been finding myself making life decisions that... Uh, have uh, caused great weights to lift off my shoulders. And uh, in doing so, I, I've become separated and divorced and moved in with some roommates and moved out. And in doing so, I just, it's been really more of a freedom that I've made these choices. Whereas when I first made the choices, it it was not the right choice. And uh, when you were telling your story earlier, that made me think of, of my situation. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just am glad that I, I found the spirit and was able to make different choices so that I feel more free. That's a key. You know, we can make choices. To, to bring about change in our life, and then we may not like the direction that those choices take us, so then we make new choices until we finally find the direction that we really want to go. It's, it's not always the first choice that's the best choice or the choice that we really intend it to be, but we learn by making different choices to find what it is we want. That's what I'm hearing you say. and. And so it's be willing to always make new choices. Be willing to change. Be willing to change the course of your direction. And don't feel like, well, I made a choice, now I have to stick with this choice no matter what. Be willing to have the freedom to allow more change, more choice. And then you'll find the happiness you're looking for. I know change isn't easy for a lot of us. You know, I'm, I'm a double Taurus, and years ago I had somebody tell me, oh boy, you don't like change. Well, I don't know if it's a Taurus in me or what, but it's true. I really don't like a lot of change in my life. And oftentimes in the past I've dug in my heels and done everything I can to keep things the same. I don't like change. And yet I have found over the years, too, that if I will just allow myself the freedom to do change or to, to, to go through the changes taking place that I end up happier in the long run. And so I've allowed myself to really let go of a lot of that Torian trait, if you will, of the old stubbornness of not liking change and trying to keep on course the same always and to allow myself to move into a greater freedom of, of change and choice. And uh, I like my life a lot better that way. It's okay to be stubborn, but it's not always the most pleasant. That's why I'm in his life. Boy, that's for sure. I like change. And I'm a Taurus, and I like change. It keeps it alive for me. 
you know, one of the things that I wanted to share that in this process, I've always wanted to do what I'm doing now for many, many years. And it just never quite happened until I finally made a greater effort. And I realized the value of taking action and through the action and the experiences I had, a lot of the learning that took place. And so before I came to work and be able to do what I'm doing now here with Interlight Ministries, um, a lot of my growth and change came in the job I had prior where I was uh, as a health educator. And so every single day in my job, I had to get in front of groups and teach and do presentations. And in that process, I really confronted a lot of my own fears of you know, self-acceptance and judgments and all these things. And um, in that process, I really confronted a lot of those fears and whatever else was in there for me because of the actions of just doing. And in that 14 months I was there, it just transformed my life where I really learned the value of participation. And in the participation, which I call the actions, is where I got the most value, and it's just continued to transform to this day. And so I realize now I keep myself active in the participation because I know in that I get so much value and I'm always learning and growing. And now I understand how to do it too because through the trial and error, just like I shared about communication, I also learned in the process not only communication but also an action and taking action steps. And through that, I would have the experiences to always keep myself learning and growing and expanding so I wouldn't become stagnant. And whenever I'd feel myself become stagnant, even to this day, if I feel myself starting to all of a sudden contract, I know it's like, oh, okay, I need to do something, take an action step. And as soon as I do it, all of a sudden it starts to open up again. And sometimes when it opens up, it's a wonderful thing, and other times it's a little bit of a struggle. But as I keep moving forward, that struggle just smooths out because I keep moving forward. And so that's one of the biggest keys that I've learned in this is to keep moving forward. And in that, through our actions, that can come about which we are truly after, whatever it looks like. Whether it looks like what we really want or if it looks a bit different than what we want, is through continuing to move forward <coughs> and not stay stuck or try to figure it out mentally, but to physically get up and go do because it's in the doing, it'll become clear. And you can always make choices. It's like, well, okay, I'm doing now. Now, because of what I'm doing, I learned this is not really what I want. But now you know it because you've done it. Whereas before, as a concept, well, I don't know if I want it or not. It seems like it. But then you go and do it and find out. And then you base your choices upon your actual experience and say, okay, I know this isn't for me. Now I'm going to go look somewhere else to have experience to see if that's it. And then... Quite often, we just kind of stumble upon, as it may seem sometimes, the very thing that we are after, even if we didn't realize this was the thing we are after. So always move forward, because that's where you're going to really find your fulfillment, even in something you may not have ever realized that's what you were after. Lord, do you have something you want to share? Years ago, um, Tom and I have a mutual friend in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and, and she was going through um, a, a divorce, and she had two kids, and she was trying to figure out what to do in her situation. And so she would, uh, she actually um, did massage with, um, on, with John Fetzer. And, and we laugh about the story now, so I know it's okay to, to, to tell it. But um, she, um, it was real cute because she would come in every, every weekend, she'd say, 
um, well, this is going on, this is going on, but I don't know what to do. I don't know if I do this, I could do this. And week after week, week, <laughs> and she wasn't doing anything. And so finally Tom said, Jesus, Margaret, just make a decision and do it. And, and, she, and she looked at him and she said, but what if it's the wrong one? He said, then you make another one. And, 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 um, and so often I hear, you know, or, and have gone through it myself of thinking uh, that d decisions or uh, actions that we take are either right or wrong, and, and they're really neither. It's just, they're just an action, and it may or may not work for you. And if it doesn't, then you do something else. And if it does, you stay with it until it doesn't work for you anymore. So, um, but we can get so caught in the judgment and the heady part of it, you know, rather than just having fun with it and moving with the flow of spirit. I remember I was talking to um, a lady uh, a few years ago, and she was in a marriage, and she was very unhappy. And I was talking to her about, you know, making some choices, making decisions. Um, uh, I kept asking her, what actions are you taking? What, what are you doing in your life? And she'd go, well, what do you mean? I said, you know, you, what, are, what is your decision? You know, you, you're not happy. And you want it, you don't want to stay in the marriage, so what are you going to do? And she said, well, I, I don't want to make a mistake. And I said, every morning when you wake up and you look over on the other side of the bed, are you looking at the mistake? Did you already make the mistake? And she goes, oh, my God. I never thought about that. <laughs> I said, so correct the mistake. Make a different decision. You chose, you made a decision to marry him, now you've made a decision that you can't leave him. Maybe you just need to change your decision. And so she did, and uh, within just a few weeks she, she left and was a lot happier in that process. So realize that in every moment there's a new choice, there's a new opportunity of choice. And I also know that if you if you really need, if spirit really wants you in a different place, spirit will move you there one way or the other. They always say, spirit taps you on the shoulder, whispers in your ear, and then hits you over the head with a two-by-four. Well, I'll tell you, if you hear a whisper, follow it, because that two-by-four hurts. <laughs> and it can leave splinters, <laughs> spiritual splinters and physical splinters. So pay attention. Stay awake. Listen to that voice, feel that little tap, and follow. And don't wait for the big boom. That's not the starry sky we want you to see in meditation. <laughs> well, you know, you're talking about, the, about choice, and, and I was remembering um, um, a long time ago, um, I can remember, I'm trying to think of the situation, the, the situation, but just in general, it was about choosing into your relationship and every time you part, whether it's with your partner or with God or with your job, every time you, you are separated from that other thing, that you choose back into it. You know, you choose back into, so like if you go off to work and, and um, you're on your way home, you're choosing back into that relationship. You get, you get to make choices daily back into the relationship or back into your job or back in with your time with God. I don't know if that makes 
Yeah, that's what meditation is. Yeah. It's choosing back into God every day, every day. It's not you're stuck with anything. You just every day you're choosing back into it. Right. Yeah. Okay. You're not even stuck with yourself. Because you can make a change and be a different person every day. Well, thank you all very much. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And I know the weather's got to be better out there now than it was. <laughs> Is it? Oh, wow. Well, good. It'll feel like Thanksgiving. <laughs> Put a log on the fire and enjoy, and we'll see you all next Tuesday. <laughs>